trust God. And today I want to talk about trusting the Father. Everyone say trusting the Father. You know, when the days go well for us, when things go great, when we're in a season when everything's going our way, oh, it's so easy. It's so easy to trust God. It's so easy to trust the Father because we're in this comfortable stage of life. But the question is, when we become uncomfortable or there's discomfort happening, we know we should trust the Father. We say it in our conversations. We encourage those that are going through trials when we're comfortable. Hey, just trust God. He's so faithful and so good. But when we're put to the test, when we're in discomfort, are we exercising that? Think about it for a second. Let's, let's be transparent. Let's be honest with ourselves because we're going to let God work in us today. Is that okay, everybody? We're going to let God work right now. We're going to let God speak to us right now. When we're in a discomfort stage, when we just don't quite understand what's going on, but yet we have the knowledge and the word and we're so devoted to God and we understand that we need to trust him every moment of our lives, are we exercising it? Are we practicing it in the midst of that? Did you know that Jesus, by the way, the perfect model, okay, of how to live life on earth when he walked on earth, and he sent his promise to Holy Spirit to remind us of his ways and his teachings. But when you think about Jesus that modeled it, look at the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read the Gospels. Everyone say, read the Gospels. When you see the earthly life of Jesus, he, he set standards for us to live. And I love the model on how he did it because he started with 12. And 12 turned to, I believe it was 78, 73, 78. And then it turned into the multitudes right after that. And people were doing things that Jesus was doing in the beginning. And so we see the model of Jesus walking a comfortable deal. You know, he obviously said, I'm going to go and I'm going to do this. I'm going to say that. I am the son of God. People are being healed. Yeah, that's awesome. But did you know Jesus had a lot of uncomfortable moments? Actually, there is one uncomfortable moment that no one can ever reach to because he did it. And that was hanging on the cross. The most uncomfortablest moment in his earthly life. He hung on a cross. But I love the fact that when he was hanging there, he was continuing trusting our Heavenly Father. You know, let's go to uh, Luke chapter 23, starting in verse 44. Again, you'll see again, Jesus is trusting the Father during his discomfortable moment. And it says in verse 44, by this time it was about noon. Now hear this out, church. And darkness fell. And darkness fell. Just remember that, okay? And darkness fell across the whole land until 3 o'clock. Verse uh, 45. The light from the sun was gone. Okay, I'm trying to indicate darkness now, okay? The, the, the sunshine, the, the sun itself, the light was gone. And suddenly, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted out, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. With those words, and it's just hitting me right now, those were the last words he spoke, and it was trusting the Father. You know, so many times when we see a loved one, and maybe you've had an experience where maybe you saw the last breath of a loved one. I've had a couple of times where I've seen that, and people remember the last words that they had. Jesus' last words here was, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. I'm so uncomfortable. I'm in so much pain. I am being laughed at and mocked. But, Lord, I trust, 
I entrust my spirit into you. And I share that is because Jesus is modeling something for, yeah, he's changing mankind, he's doing something, but he's also modeling something for us when we face certain persecutions in life, certain discomforts in life. And he's saying, are you shouting out, Father, I entrust your plan in my life. I entrust everything of me into your hands. Now, do you remember darkness that I just spoke on right now? And I said, remember that? This scripture right here, two things stick out. Two words actually stuck out. And it was darkness and it was entrust. Did you know in darkness, there's so much uncertainty? When I was a kid, I played this made-up game with my friends. Okay, and I, some of you guys might know this story. I'm telling you, when I was a kid, I did like these craziest things. So we wanted to play hide and seek, but we wanted to play tag. It was so easy. So we said, let's play a game in the dark at night. And it was, we made up the name, okay, this is not a, you know, deal. We just made this up. We called it Dungeon, okay. And what Dungeon was about was we shut all the lights off in the upstairs house. Uh, there's two rooms. And we had a bunch of friends, maybe sisters, and we were all playing. Go figure, I had an uncle playing too. There's always that one uncle. So <laughs> instigated it all, right? <laughs> he's, he's like 20 years older than me. So, I mean, it's just like, I'm eight, he's like 28. Like, and we're playing dungeon, right? And so we all have that one uncle. And so we're playing this game, and my uncle decides to say, hey, let's, 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 let's ante it up a little bit, okay? And he says this, let's put booby traps everywhere. <laughs> And so what did that look like? That looked like we put the ironing board down and open it wide open. We flip a couch over. We take an ottoman and we put it right by the stairs so we could fall. You know, it's like you're trying to make these people stumble. The thing is, we, when I was it, I knew there was traps everywhere. I knew it. But I couldn't see it. And I, you know, for some reason I still wanted to play. But let me tell you something. They're hiding, you know, in the dark and everything. But because of that darkness, it wasn't as easy for me to do things. You know, darkness brought uncertainty to me. And I, I share that story. And by the way, I always won. Don't worry about it, okay? I, I share that story is because I want you to illustrate something. That when we're in a darkness, there's uncertainty that sometimes happens. Fear sometimes creeps up. I mean, if I could put it in, all, I guess, an illustration for all of us. When our power goes out in the middle of the night because of a storm, right? And it's dark. Typically you hear the kids, ah, and, you know, and because there's it, nothing happened, nothing changed, it's just dark. That's it. Because it, it creates this uncertainty. You know, in the midst of that, when we face uncertainties in life, sometimes we hit the panic button too fast. And reality is nothing's really changed. God's saying, hey, I am your light. I am your source. I am going to help. Do you trust me when you don't see it? And Jesus here is hanging, and it's dark, the Bible says. But he's still, knowing he's the light, he's still entrusting himself to God. And so when darkness comes in his life and discomfort's happening, Jesus still moves forward for the kingdom of God. Here's the thing. Jesus showed three characteristics in the midst of that that we can easily learn. Number one, Jesus voluntarily did it. Okay? Jesus confidently did it, knowing the purpose and plan for his life, and he did it with trusting God. I'll say that again. Voluntarily did it, did it with confidence, and he did it trusting God. And I believe when we exercise those things, knowing his word, knowing that the Spirit's in us, and we face dark seasons in life, God's going to continue to show up. 
God's going to continue to do things on our behalf. He's going to illuminate through you, by the way. I'll say that again. He's going to illuminate through you because of his son, and you are going to be a light source. Now, what happens when the storm's all over and the lights turn on? What does everybody do? Yeah, they're all happy, right? Or even in that darkness, a flashlight's turned on. Everyone hovers around it. They follow that light. There's a campfire going on. Everyone circles around it because light is attracting. You can see certain things in the midst of light. When Jesus illuminates in your darkness, he's attracting, and you go near him because when you're near him, he shows you things where other people can't see. And he's saying, look, there's a a, a tipped over ironing board right there in a sense. You know, and he'll let us know through that. That's called trusting the Father. And here's the key. When I read this, this was the key of why Jesus kept going forward. Because I know the question can rise up, well, it's, it's, it's painful, it's hard. And I'm saying, yes, it is hard. But check out what Jesus did. I believe the reason why he was able to do this was, number one, he knew the mission. He had those characteristics. But check this out. Jesus focused on the Father and not the pain. He was focusing on the Father and not the pain. And I think too many times as believers, as Christians, as we grow in Christ, and we know we're going to go through some tough stuff. Jesus guaranteed it, but he promised us. He says, take heart. I have overcome the. That's right. I have overcome the. Why don't we stick to that when the trial comes? We focus on the pain sometimes. And I, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm guilty of that a lot of times. And we're going through this, God, where, why, 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 why? And the why should be reality should turn into what are you doing, God? What am I learning right now? No, I'm not saying God rains this pain on you. I'm not saying that. But reality is we live in a cursed, fallen world because of sin. And God says you're going to walk something for a while, but it's just for a while. It's just for a little bit, and take heart, I've overcome this. And when we can see the true light of, of, of saying, okay, God, you are the one that's going to take me through this, we start focusing our eyes on the Father and not the pain. You know, countless times in life, I, I, I mean, when I think about just testimonies of my life where I'll, I'm going through a darkness in, in a season or whatever, or it's hard, or we lost a loved one, or, or whatever dark season that we feel like we're going through, we have to continue, and I remember through the power of God, to fix your eyes on Jesus because there's a bigger picture. You know, a few years already went by, and I still cry for my father-in-law. It's hard, and I'm just being transparent with you guys. Because he was a good man. But I know there's a bigger picture, and I thank God that I can see him later. And I have countless dreams of him. It's insane how God just shows me these things. And it's darkness sometimes, but the light shines through, through Christ, and I just stick to that. And, and I said, God, I'm not going to focus on the pain still, because you are still working. But I'm going to focus on you and what you have going here, God. What pain are we holding on to and not giving it to God is what I'm asking. What pain are we holding on to? And we really never released it to him. And we're so focused on this thing, we start taking care of it. We start petting it. We start saying it's mine. And it's not intentional. You don't mean to do that. But by nature, you're just doing this thing. And you're holding it tight. And God's saying, if you would release it to me, I could start working in you. And when you start, when you release it to me, you're fixing your eyes on me and no longer in the pain. And you're going to be able to go to the next phase in life that I have for you because I still want to use you. Talk about a father who loves you no matter what. 
of Father, what pain are we holding on to? We literally just had an outbreak of the Spirit during worship. Again, I came up here ready just to pray and let's start, let's start service, and I don't know what erupted out of my mouth, but before you know it, I'm in front of people praying for them. That's God. That's God in the midst, and I believe the reason why he was doing that is because he's setting us something up right now. You didn't come here by accident. You were here by appointment, and God set that up for you because he wants to work in your heart. He doesn't want me to give you a feel-good sermon, and then you walk away. He wants to be you to be challenged and grow. He's saying, look, there's pain for a little bit, but that pain is going to help you if you fix your eyes because I'm going to grow you. I'm going to grow you is what he's saying. I'm going to grow you. And there's just, again, when we face darkness in life, I just want to give you four simple truths to remember. And they literally are simple truths. Can I give you four truths that we need to continue to apply? And I, I'm not saying, oh, I know this already. But in the midst of something that we're going through, a darkness that we're going through, are we practicing it? Are we trusting the Father? And the first one is this. I have a Father. Know this. And remember, I have a Father in heaven who loves me who loves me you know and when we think about a father that loves me and we have that remembrance during tough times let me tell you something you still feel purpose in your life you still have motivation in your life and it's unexplainable and maybe someone that doesn't have God in their life might be knocked out for the count but because you have the light you have Christ, you're able to continue to hold on to, I have a God that loves me. And he says he will never forsake me. And when I'm in the darkness, he's there with me, shining a light so I can continue to walk. You know, Psalms 103, 13 says this, that the Lord is like a father to his children. He says, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. And let me remind you, fear him is not being afraid of him. Fearing is a reverence is what he's talking about. Just wanting to do your will in my life, God. You know, my children, I, I have these conversations now. My son's about to be 10. Man, in a couple of months, going into double digits now. And I'm having these crazy conversations with him. As a dad that I thought I would never have, and I knew it was coming. Now, I'm looking up to you dads that have, you know, teenagers, and, you're ha and I'm like, okay, well, how, how do I approach my son with this topic? You know, he's asking me these questions, and I'm trying my best to, like, you know, be, you know, give him truth. But I understand the power of first mention. Either you learn it from mommy and daddy, or you hear it on the playground, and it's going to be, what is the word called, miscombobulated or something. <laughs> And so I, I you know, I, I do these conversations, I have these conversations because I love and I, and I have compassion and I want my son to grow and learn. And in, in a sense, God's doing the same thing here. Did you know what we just read? God, the Father, he, he's close to us. All right, he's close, he's compassionate, he's caring, he's capable, and he's consistent. He's consistent in your life. Maybe we're not consistent with him, but he is always consistent with us. Always. And so those times when we feel like we're alone, he said, you never were. You just weren't consistent with me. So you thought you were alone. But I've been here the whole time because I'm a consistent daddy to you. I am a consistent father. And when we have this knowledge of that, we start having a better, pleasant, uh, in a sense, a journey in life with Christ. That these trials are no longer just tossing us back and forth. You know, to give a little bit of freedom, I'm going to take this area for a second. Maybe you had a bad um, past with maybe uh, your father. 
Maybe, maybe you were that father. I, I, I don't know. But I know a lot of times there's a lot of hurt in people's lives, and they don't quite understand how to be loved by their Heavenly Father because they had a bad experience in life by a father. Let me remind you a couple of things. Because our God and our Father is close, compassionate, caring, capable, and consistent, we have to first have, have an understanding that no earthly father can compare to that. We can't compare God because of a bad experience we had. We have to understand that God is faithful in every area. Earthly fathers can have these traits, but we also have flaws in our lives. And so what I'm saying is for us to get out of that, that, that rut of, well, my past was this and my dad was this, we have to learn and understand the true father so we can have the power to forgive and allow God have to have the power of restoration for our lives and even for that father's life. If I can get a little bit more personal with you guys, I, I have a dad. You guys prayed for him when he had the heart attack a year ago, and he's doing well, by the way. Here, here's the thing, though. He's not my biological father. He's my dad that came into my life at the age of two. I don't know my biological father. I don't know who he is. And so growing up, there was this wound there of, am I even wanted? Am I even wanted? But when I met my heavenly father, who showed himself close to me, compassionate to me, caring, he was capable, and he was so consistent in my life, I forgave that person. Now, if I ever have an encounter, awesome, that's great. I'll lead him to Jesus. I'll do everything, Jesus, for you. Like, because I've learned that my father in heaven can't compare with any earthly father, that we all have flaws. I have flaws in my life. We have to have a knowledge of that so we can take our eyes off the pain and start gazing our eyes on Jesus. And when we do that, when we gaze our eyes on our Heavenly Father, we become more focused and in tune and we're led in, in ways that it's unexplainable. God's showing us this new journey and route in life because we're simply gazing our eyes on God. And yeah, trials will happen in life, but God say, hey, I'm right here. I keep thinking about... Um, doctor's appointment with my kids if you had little babies right here beth has her little baby here there's a doctor's appointments probably shots maybe all these things or, or you know we have to go to the urgent care and maybe they're not feeling well and and there's this this shot issue that we go into right and and the shot initially happens and there's so much pain and really it's not that much but for them it's a lot but what do the parents typically do during that moment when it's about to happen you're doing everything. Hey, hey, hey. I mean, you're there. You're a monk. You're doing all of everything. You're throwing it all out there. Because you're saying, focus on me. Focus on me. There's a little bit of pain. There's a little bit of pain. And I just saw on, on a video two days ago of a doctor that just, genius doctor. You guys know what I'm talking about? Genius doctor. They, she found the cure. He found the cure. Whoever doctor it was. Did this thing with this, like, doop, doop. Just poking the baby, but not with the needle, just, you know, the, with the cover. Just doing the thing. And it kind of got to a point where it was kind of like, okay, okay. And got the baby's attention and just kind of started making noise on the thing for like a minute. And then just kind of pulled it out. Did some doo -doo -doo, plip, plip, and the baby had no idea. No idea. And I was like, wow. Wow. I wish I knew that 10 years ago. Like, wow. Because that baby was fixed on that doctor, that pediatrician. And even though there was a little bit of pain, it didn't phase the baby. And so in a sense, the same way, when we continue to fix our eyes on Jesus, and we continue to follow his word, sit in his presence, get with the church, be the church, 
when we continue and we fix our eyes on Jesus, pain's going to come up. But you're going to say, look, it's just a temporary deal, but I'm going to continue to move forward. It's uncomfortable, but I'm going to do what Jesus wanted me to do and continue to journey on. We need to learn to trust the Father in the midst of darkness. Number two, my Father can be trusted. Understand that it's a two-way relationship. And God is doing his deal. He can be trusted. Psalm 33, 4 says this. For the word of the Lord holds true. And we, <clears throat> and we, the church, can trust everything he does. You know, Jesus said it this way in the New Testament. Father, when he was hanging on the cross, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. Did you know that word entrust simply means put something into someone's care or protection? And so what, what Jesus was saying is that my spirit, I'm putting it in your care and in your protection. When we call out Jesus and say, Lord, forgive me, I follow me, put your spirit in me, you're saying my life is in your hands and it's in your care, it's in your protection. When we do that, when you look at that word entrust from the Greek, original language in the Greek and translated to the English, it literally means deposit. You're depositing. And when we think of deposit, we think of a bank, right? But we also think of withdrawal. There needs to be a return. <laughs> oh, I do. <laughs> and you think about, you know, when you deposit, Jesus deposited his spirit into God because he says, I entrust you, God. And so when we came to Jesus, we are depositing ourselves to God. But here's the part that we miss it, church. Here's the part that we miss it. We miss it when we trust our lives or deposit our lives and trust our lives into people, into our emotions, and into money. When we, when we deposit our, our, ourselves into that and live for that, we're missing the mark. And what God has in store for us, what we're doing is we're believing a lie. Now, nothing wrong with money, okay? It's a great tool. And I'll say that again. It's a great tool that we need right now. But it's not where my trust goes into. It's a tool. It's a resource. And let me tell you something. I've met so many great people that are just good with that tool. They understand. They got it. And God is blessing them because of it. And it's because they're, they're entrusting everything to God. And God's saying, okay, now you're able to do what you got to do with this and be a blessing from the kingdom of God. We can entrust our lives, church. We can trust our lives or deposit into the hands of God. And guess what your return is? The kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of God is your return. The promises, what you inherit, being a co-heir of Christ, being eternally set. But there's still a mission that God has for you. Number three, my father is taking care of things, and here it is, I can't see. My father is taking care of things I can't see. Again, I was telling you guys earlier, in the dark, sometimes it's, it's hard because we can't see in front of us. You can't even see the solution sometimes. But when we trust God and are in the light with him, he gives us solutions. He shows us routes. He tells us what to do. Remember that uh, power storm or what's it called uh lightning storm that we're talking about it knocks the power out in, in our houses during no season we're left in the dark and we feel like okay when is the lights going to turn on or when is this going to happen or when are we going to out of this but the whole entire time when we don't see is the electricians working behind the scenes and they're making an impact to bring the light or bring the solution in our lives and it's no difference with god when we, when we trust him and we've entrusted our life to him, he's working on your behalf. Even when you don't see anything in the natural, God is doing something in the supernatural. He's moving mountains. 
He's talking to this, and you're just, all you're doing is trusting and speaking what God wants you to speak. God, in Job chapter 23, starting in verse 9, it says this. When he is at work in the north, okay, this is Job 23, I do not see him. When he turns to the south, I catch no glimpse. Now check out verse 10, church. But he knows the way that I take, and when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. I had come forth as gold. In other words, God tests us so we can grow in him. He doesn't tempt us. He doesn't put problems. He doesn't do all these things. He tests us. It's like purifying gold. There might be junk, but when you put it in the, is it a refinery is what it's called? Or, you know, you put it in heat, all the junk melts off and purity comes out. Sometimes it's going to be too hot in the kitchen. That's why I'm not a chef, you know. <laughs> but reality is that sometimes it gets too hot and God's saying, look, I'm just, I'm just, I want you to be pure. I want you to grow. I want you to learn. I'm here for you. I'm not throwing these things on you at all. But know that as you go through these things, I want to make sure you grow. That you benefit what the enemy's intended for evil, I'm making it good. I'm turning it good. Good, good gonna come out of this. And it's gonna be in your life. It's gonna be in your life. How that's such a good promise that God gives us. But we need to exercise it. Second Corinthians 4, Paul says in verse 17, for our light is and momentary troubles. I love that momentarily, troubles, just for a while are achieving for us an eternal glory that far awaits them all. That's awesome. Verse 18. So we fix, so we fix, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, Paul says, but what is unseen is eternal. It's eternal. The Bible is showing us how God operates in our lives. He says, but it requires you to trust a God that he's working in things that you don't even see. Because his knowledge surpasses our knowledge. He knows way far more than he, we, we see the slice of the pizza. He has the whole pie. And more. And he has enough for everybody. We need to understand that, when, that our father will take care of us even when we can't see it. That's trusting God in the midst. And the last one, ver, uh, number four, and I'll close it with this, is that my father can handle anything I put in his hands. You know, remember earlier I was talking about sometimes we're holding on to this pain or this thing or whatever it is. And sometimes we kind of, not intentionally, but we, we try to own this thing. And like, no, I can get through this. I am strong. God wants me to be strong. And we miss the whole point of releasing it to God. Or here's another one. You know, we see flaws in our lives and we want to work for Jesus and we have the chisel and we have the hammer and we're chiseling this junk out of our lives and we're, we're doing it for God, glory to God. But you're missing the point because the chisel should have never been in your hands. It should have been in the Father's hands and saying, Lord, have your way on me. And let God work in us. When we allow the chisel, sometimes we're holding the chisel and we're, our intentions are pure and good. I want to do it for God and we are doing everything we can, but we're working on our strength. And God's saying, no, 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 hand those tools over to me. Let me, let, let, let me work in you. Let me teach you and, and show you and correct you and discipline you and love you unconditionally. Give up the chisels. Give up the hammer. Let me work in you. 
And I believe a lot of believers, and I was to this a lot too, we take the chisel and say, we got this. And yeah, I glory to God and great intentions. But wrong hands. Wrong hands. Because Jesus says, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. Have we ever looked at our hands? I mean, reality is we can really take pride in these things. And when we take pride of this, what can I build? And Jesus is saying it's never been about you and what you build. It's been about me and what I'm doing and what I'm building. And trust it into my hands. My hands have the hose. My hands did it for all mankind. Give it to me. And I love this part right here. God is telling me right now. And what you're trying to work at, I finished it two years ago. There's no more. There's no more. I finished it for you. That's entrusting your life into God. That's depositing all of you into him. It's not trying to be perfect before God. It's growing in God. We start as infants, spiritually speaking, and we grow in maturity. Paul says, you first drink spiritual milk, then you eat spiritual beans. Because God understands there needs to be growth in your life. I'll close it with this scripture, John 10, 28. Jesus said this, I give them eternal life, Jesus says, and they shall never perish. No one, no one, no one, everyone say no one. No one will snatch them out of my hand, Jesus says. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hands. God's purpose in your life is far greater than your problems in your life. God's purpose for your life is greater than the problems in your life. I'm losing my voice on this one, people. (laughs) I got a second service to do. (laughs) Here's the deal, you guys. God wants you to just give it to him. Allow God to do it here. Don't try to outdo someone or compare yourself to someone else. Because when you do that, that kills the courage that God's bringing up in you. Just be submissive, obedient, and trust him. Volunteer yourself to him and say, God, your will in my life. Be confident that I can come to him like Jesus did. And trust the Father with all your heart with all of who you are. And when you do that, great reward comes in your life eternally. That you're able to love the unlovable, forgive the unforgivable. See, those those moments that you feel like, well, you don't understand. That's right. Because I don't want to understand. The Bible tells me something else and I want to obey what God says. So I need the, the strength of God and the power of God to be activated in my life so I can forgive. You see, it's like a, it's like a, an overflow. When you fill yourself up with the love and the word and his presence and everything you do with just spending time with God, an overflow comes out of you. And what's happened is that overflow spills over and now it's able to touch other people. But so many times we're on empty, we don't have an overflow. And so we're trying to do things on our own. And when we do that, we dry up quick. We don't last long. We love in the day, hate in the morrow. We have those love-hate relationships, which by the way, that's so left field, man. That's ignorance, to be honest with you. Jesus is saying this, let me fill your cup. Let me overflow you. And when you do so, 
watch me work through you. You are the hose. I am the water. He says, I am the everlasting water. Just be flexible, pliable, and go wherever I want you to go as a gardener so you can water. I'll give you the everlasting water, but you will be speaking and you will be doing. And when we do that, church, you get wet as well too. You get blessed as well too. Trust everything to God. Let's go ahead and close our eyes and bow our head. Just a little while we talk. We allowed God to move in our lives. But what is he saying? really comes down to that now. What is he saying? I never want to leave without an invitation to you guys. Maybe you've never heard Jesus in such a relational way. You've known and heard of him, but don't know him that way. The Bible tells us that if you believe with your heart and you confess with your mouth as Jesus Christ being Lord and Savior, and that's the key. It's now and forever. Saying you are now in charge of me, God, and what you want. When you allow that, God says, I will save you right where you're at. You will be eternally bound with me. And I will use you in mighty ways. Jesus also spoke that when he departs on earth and and ascends in heaven with his heavenly father, that we are going to do far more greater things on earth than what he did when he was walking the earth. That is amazing. In other words, God wants to use you, but it requires you to accept Jesus as the way, the truth, and the light. The gateway. You You can't cross over anything, climb over anything, dig your way under anything. You need to go through the gate, and his name is Jesus Christ. And it's wide open for you right now. If that is you and you want him, on the count of three, I want you to shoot your hand up. And maybe this, I want to give those that have been but really haven't been doing what God wants. You know the word. You've accepted Jesus. But it's now the growth ain't really happening. You want it now. You can raise your hand on this one too. I just want to simply re, uh, I want you to recommit your life to him. And say, I'm going to vow to start living for you, God, and doing what you want me to do. And I will trust that you are my light source in this earth. On the count of three, on any of those invites, shoot your hand up. One, I need Jesus. Two, I need Jesus. Three, shoot your hand up right now. God bless you. 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 You guys can put your hands down. Anybody else in this room? Anybody else? This is an invitation for you. We had a lot of hands go up just a second ago, church. But I also want to speak to the church that have been doing this. Let me charge, let me just encourage and charge you. You are also the light of the world because Christ is in you. You are a game changer. You are a world shaker. Start doing what God wants you to do. And when you do so, he will show himself faithful and give, we give him all the glory. Let's go ahead and put one hand over our heart. And let's say this together because we had a lot of people put their hands up. Say, God, thank you. Thank you for the mission. For my life, I was once lost, but you found me. You left 99 to pursue me, and I am forever grateful. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I ask you to help me and put your spirit in me. I give you all of my life. From here on forth, I am your child. Lead me. Trust my life in your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all shout out, amen and amen. Woo! Now, if you made that decision, if you look in your bulletin, you'll see a connection card. 
in your, uh, in your bulletin. That's just a simple tool for me just to stay connected with you. I want